Good morning. Let's open our Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 28. I'll be reading from verse 1 to verse 14. And if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the field. Blessed shall you be, shall be the fruit of your womb, and the fruit of your ground, and the fruit of your cattle, the increase of your herds, and the young of your flock. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before you. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. The Lord will command the blessing on you in your barns and in all that you undertake. And he will bless you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. The Lord will establish you as a people holy to himself as he has sworn to you if you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways. And all the peoples of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of you. And the Lord will make you abound in prosperity in the fruit of your womb and in the fruit of your livestock and in the fruit of your ground within the land that the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. The Lord will open to you his good treasury, the heavens, to give the rain to your land in its season, and to bless all the work of your hands. And you shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail, and you shall only go up and not down, if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, being careful to do them. And if you do not turn aside from any of the words that I command you today, to the right hand or to the left, to go after other gods to serve them. This is the word of the Lord. I think the way that many teenagers relate to their parents, how many teenagers in this room? Not very many? You just don't want me to be called out. I see you out there. Okay. I think the way many teenagers, you're here, relate to their parents is strikingly similar to the way many employees relate to their bosses. The goal in the relationship is just to stay out of trouble. Can you all relate to that? I just want to stay out of trouble. I don't want to get grounded and lose my driving privileges. I don't want to get fired or or put on a performance improvement plan. In your, in your mind, the authority of that parent or that boss represents one thing, a potential threat to your well-being. We're, we're like Bilbo trying to steal a cup from Smog's treasure hoard in The Hobbit, you know? What, whatever you do, don't awaken the beast. Don't alert the boss. Don't alert the parent. And I I mention that because I think many professing Christians relate to God. It's really sad, but true. 
relate to God in the same kind of way. He's he's just someone that can get you in trouble. Who's God? Well, Well, he's the guy that's always watching, waiting, and listening for you to do something wrong so he can smack you for it. You, you think of God like a referee in a football game. His primary job is what? It's not to go around like, hey, great play. You know, well, run it again. <laughs> no. It's, it's, what's the referee's job? Primary job? Just throw flags on the field. You hope he doesn't mess it up. Issue penalties. If you dare break the rules. Friends, that is not the God of the Bible. It's not. That's not what God says he's like. And that's certainly not what the history of his relationship with his people declares he's like. Psalm 31 verse 19. Oh, how abundant is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you and worked for those who take refuge in you. In the sight of the children of mankind. What's the psalmist saying? That the God who created this world and everything in it is an exceedingly good God. He's a good God. From from eternity past, he's existed, only existed in a state of infinite blessing. And his purpose in, in drawing a people to himself is to bring you in on that and into that. He's not a brooding sovereign waiting to smack rule breakers or a scowling old man who who sits on his front porch in the neighborhood, you know, making eyes at all the boys like, I dare you to set foot on my lawn. He's perfectly holy. He's perfectly just. And he's exceedingly He has been good. He is presently being good. He will forever and always be good to us through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? We're we're not lining up behind this microphone next Sunday. One of my favorite mornings of the year. To recount all the ways we stayed out of trouble with God. (laughs) What are we doing next Sunday? We're going to recount all the ways our God has been exceedingly good to us. We're going to tell the glad news of deliverance, Psalm 49, the the surpassing greatness of his unmerited favor and his blessing. And that is exactly what the first half of Deuteronomy 28 is all about. The surpassing greatness. God's blessing. The entire book, if you haven't been with us before, is is organized or put together, structured as a covenant document. Okay, it's a relationship document between the Lord and his people Israel. And it it arises, comes to Israel. This, This is a collection of sermons Moses preached to Israel comes to Israel in the context, the existing context of relationship, and it's designed to preserve that relationship. 
And so Moses confronts Israel here with with a choice. Caleb mentioned this last week. In, In the context of this relationship that God graciously initiated, will you choose life by submitting to his authority or will you choose death by rejecting his authority? That's the choice, Israel. Life by going God's way, death by going your way. Note, there is not a third neutral option. And friend, in the long run, please hear this. There is only one thing that will compel you to make the right choice. One thing that will compel us to choose life. And that's this. It's the surpassing greatness of God's blessing. The surpassing greatness of God's blessing is what compels us to choose life. And that's why Moses lingers here on the nature of God's blessing. First 14 verses. I think we see at least four things about the nature of this blessing. And we're going to try to get to all of them, spending the most time on the first two. And then moving along on the last two. Here's the first. God's blessing, this this surpassingly great blessing that compels us to choose life. God's blessing is conditional. It's conditional. Maybe you're surprised I would start with that. But that's where Moses starts. So we're going to start there. There are four if statements that bookend the entire passage. Beginning and end. Verse 1. If you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments, verse 2, all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you obey the voice of the Lord your God, verse 13. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, verse 14, if you do not turn aside from any of the words that I command you today to the right hand or to the left to go after other gods to serve them. Bookends. What's Moses' point? What's the point? Remaining faithful to the Lord. Serving him, not other gods, is not one of many paths that leads to life and blessing. It is the only path that leads to life and blessing. The path of blessing, and there's only one, is what kind of path? It's a path of wholehearted devotion to Yahweh. A devotion expressed by obeying his word. That's the requirement. That's that's the condition. That does not mean God's blessing is something Israel earned through her obedience. The entire book of Deuteronomy says no to that idea. For example, chapter 9 verse 4. Do not say in your heart after the Lord has Thrust them out before you, your enemies in Canaan. It is because of my righteousness, cue pat on the back, that the Lord has brought me in to possess this land. Don't don't say that. Don't you dare say that. It's because of the wickedness of these nations that the Lord is driving them out before you. And that he may confirm the word that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. When, when Moses says in verse 8 of chapter 28 here, and he will bless you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. He's giving it to you, Israel. He's, he's pointing to something. What? To God's generosity and God's faithfulness, not Israel's obedience as the ultimate 
ground or ultimate explanation for God's blessing on their life. Every blessing Israel received, every single one of them, abundant offspring, redemption from slavery, military victories, the the gift of God's word, the gift of a land to dwell in, all of that, friend, was an undeserved gift of God's grace. All of it. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob did absolutely nothing to earn the privilege of relationship with God. It's a family of moon worshipers. Then and now, that day, this day, our obedience is not a work of merit. It never has been. It never will be. It's always a response to God's grace, to God's unmerited favor. And and that raises three really important questions. Here's the think hard part, okay? First, if Israel was not earning or deserving God's blessings through her obedience, well then, why was her obedience so important? Friend, it mattered because obeying God's word was how Israel appropriated or received God's blessings. It's it's how she expressed her, her desire for God's blessings, her dependence on God's blessings, and her faith in God's power to bless. In other words, her obedience was an act of trust. The way she said, Lord... I'm looking to you for life. Nowhere else. You're the one I'm going to serve. You're the one I will worship. So so God's blessings are conditional. Not in the sense that Israel had to earn them. But in the sense that, that they can only be received and only enjoyed through faith filled obedience. God, God doesn't dish out his blessings willy-nilly to the whole wide world. They're, they're the unmerited reward, look at verse 14, of holding fast to the Lord instead of going after other gods to serve them. Here's the second question, really important. How does the person and work of Jesus affect the role Faith-filled obedience plays in experiencing God's blessing. We live on this side of the person work of Jesus. We're not under the old covenant, old way of relating to God. New covenant, new way of relating to God. Jesus has changed some things. It's life and death. So if you want to see that, you have to read a little bit ahead in Israel's story. See what happens. It doesn't take long to recognize she's not faithful or careful to obey at all. We, we don't even get through the next book. Every blessing God graciously lavished on her. She eventually lost because she refused to hold fast to the Lord. She just continued to disobey his word over, over, over again. She, Israel was a profoundly unfaithful covenant 
So what did God do? Well, what do we celebrate at Christmas? <laughs> he became the faithful covenant partner. Right? He, he takes the form of a servant. He's born in the likeness of men. And it's not just so he can die for us. It's so he can live for us. Think about that. The, the eternal son of God became a man. Not just to show how compassionate he is. But because he had to be a man in order to obey for men. As a man. On man's behalf. To perfectly, completely, and fully satisfy all the conditions Deuteronomy 28 establishes for receiving God's favor and God's blessing. You read through the Bible and you quickly come to see Jesus is the true Israel. Okay, he's the true Israel. He never turns aside from God's word to the right or the left. And that's not just so he can be a moral example. That's because we need someone to obey for us. He never went after other gods to serve them. And here's the difference that makes, Christian. As the people of God, that means we live under the smile of God's favor because of Jesus, not because of our obedience, but because of Jesus' obedience. Let me say that again. Christian, you live under the smile of God's favor and blessing, not because of your obedience, but because of Jesus' obedience. That's really good news. No hope without that. God's blessing for his people today no longer rises and falls on the tide of our faithfulness. It is eternally secure. By his faithfulness. That's the gospel. God's, God's favor, God's blessing has been eternally secured for the people of God by the only perfect man that ever walked the earth. And that raises our final important question. Think carefully, listen closely. If Jesus meets all the conditions in the law, does your obedience really matter? Is the good news of the gospel, Jesus obeyed, so now I don't have to. For, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Dude, we're under grace, man. Stop being so legalistic. Friend, that idea is just as much a lie under the new covenant as it was under the old. You realize that? What, what do I mean? I mean that the gospel, all Jesus has done, it doesn't remove the necessity of your obedience. Rather, it enables and empowers your obedience. Okay, hang with me here. Your faithfulness to obey today, Christian, albeit imperfectly, always imperfectly, always imperfectly, is really important. 
because wholehearted obedience is how we express our faith in the sufficiency of Jesus' obedience. They're connected. It's not Jesus obeyed, I don't have to. Jesus obeyed and I express my faith in that, my trust in that, my dependence on that through faith-filled, imperfect obedience. James 2.17. So also faith by itself. I got Jesus, man. I don't need to obey. Faith by itself. If it does not have works, it's dead. It's not faith in Jesus at all. Obedience is not one bit less necessary under the new than under the old. In short. So, that's the case. What makes the new covenant any better? What's the difference? What's changed? Well, two big things among many. First, the forgiveness of sins that is ours in Jesus and the spotless record of obedience that is ours in Jesus. Ensure, Christian, listen, that you will not fail to receive or ever lose the divine favor and blessing Israel inevitably failed to receive and inevitably and perpetually kept on losing. You won't fail to receive. You won't inevitably lose. God's blessing on your life, Christian, is eternally, unchangeably, irrevocably, and justifiably yours in Christ. God's favor on your life is your guaranteed inheritance in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's pretty big. That's worth singing about. I'm tempted to go sing right now. But I said there were two things, right? Here's the second big thing that's changed. Second, the Holy Spirit who indwells us under the new covenant as the people of God. That means that we have a supernatural power to obey that Israel never had. Couldn't even dream of. But because of the Spirit, Christian, you are able to endure in the obedience of faith. In Jesus, you can continue to appropriate and experience the goodness of all the covenant blessings Jesus secured for you by running in the path of God's commands in the power of the Spirit. Put it all together. The conditional character of God's blessing does not mean we earn it through obedience. Rather, We express our faith in Jesus. We lay hold of the blessings he deserves. He alone earned through our obedience. Think of it this way. Illustration before we move on. Got to have a Christmas illustration this time of year, right? On Christmas Day, my kids, three boys, will be the recipients of lavish generosity from their grandparents. Uh, They're in this room, so that's not manipulative. It's just, you know, like eight points makes a steady line, and that's what's going to go down. In fact, come Black Friday, typically most of their presents are already purchased. They are, as it were, officially theirs. But they have yet to open them, right? They have yet to experience them. What's required? Do they have to find some way to earn all those gifts before Christmas. No. Duh. They're gifts, right? That's what a gift is. It's 
It's the opposite of something you earn. We're not talking paychecks. Hey, Christmas, yeah, Merry Christmas, here's your paycheck. It's like gifts, grace. So if they want to experience the joy of the gift, what do they have to do? It's not to earn it. They simply have to show up at their grandparents' home on Christmas Day, hold out their empty hands, so to speak, and say, Granddad, Grandpa, I am ready to receive all I know you are eager to give. Which usually comes out in the form of, can we start opening presents now? (laughs) Dad. Friend, that's a, a little picture of the relationship between God's blessing and the obedience of faith. You're showing up at the house. Empty hands. Obeying God's word is like that. It's an act of trust, an act of dependence, a, a way of coming to God with, with empty hands. That's what your obedience is. And, and looking to him for all you need for life and godliness, that's what the obedience of faith is. Only those who embrace the obedience of faith relate to God like that. Running in the path of his commands. Receive God's surpassingly great blessing. They're not universal. They're Conditional. Second, oh boy, (laughs) God's blessing is comprehensive. And if you don't know what that word means, just think total, all-encompassing. If Israel was willing to follow the Lord, think about this, to look to him for life by obeying his word, God promised, this is incredible, that his blessings would overflow in all places at all times, in every dimension of life. All places, all times, every dimension of life. Let's look at each of those briefly. First, God's favor means blessing in all places. Verse 3, blessed shall you be in the city and blessed shall you be in the field. That's pretty much where most of them lived their entire life. Verse 6, in case you got anything, we didn't get it all the first time. Blessed shall you be when you come in (laughs) and blessed shall you be when you go out. That's pretty much anywhere you could be. Well, how does the promise of blessing in all places carry forward today through the gospel? Friend, it's surpassingly greater. It's greater. Romans 8.39, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Why not? Because the Lord doesn't just command blessing on you in the heights, in the depths, and everywhere between. He is with you, Christian, on the height, in the depths, and everywhere in between. Matthew 28, 20, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So God's blessing means blessing in all places. Second, God's favor means blessing at all times. Look at verse 2. And all these blessings shall come upon you. And what? Wait for you to notice, give them the time of day, and consider bringing them into your life. Nope. (laughs) They will what? Look at verse 2. All these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. Our brother Jeff Davis ran a half marathon yesterday. Where are you, Jeff? 
Good job, buddy. We'll come and carry you out of the room later. So. <laughs> I've run that race before, and I am overtaken by people all the time when I'm running. We can imagine that. Maybe you've been overtaken by a rainstorm. What, what, what does it mean to be overtaken by the blessing of God? It means that, that no matter what's going on in your life, Christian, no matter what's going on in your life, you cannot outrun or escape God's overwhelming favor on you in Christ Jesus our Lord. You can't get away from it. <laughs> I mean, some of us, I want to ask you to raise your hand. Some of us feel like bad things. Unfortunate circumstances have, just have a way of following us. You know, here I come, bringing all the bad luck with me. <laughs> Friend, if you're in Christ Jesus, the specter of misfortune is not following you. What does Psalm 23, 6 say? Goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. You, you Every day you wake up, that is a day where throughout your entire day, Christian, you're constantly being overtaken by the goodness and mercy of your God. It's running you down faster than Jeff, faster than me, faster than the crazy Kenyan people that always win. It's chasing you down. It's the decisive reality in your life. How, how different that is from the impoverished view of things we often adopt. You know, we, we think of God's blessing as something we just have to desperately hold on to and, and try not to lose until we die. In reality, when you go to work, goodness and mercy are following you. When you go home, goodness and mercy are following you. When you go to the hospital for cancer treatment, Goodness and mercy are following you. When you apply early for Social Security because of a disability in your life, goodness and mercy are following you. When you make a sales call, goodness and mercy are following you. When you follow a grumpy teenager into a room who is not showing goodness and mercy to you, goodness and mercy are following you. All places, all times and in every dimension of life. Think about that. Verse 4, blessing in the domestic sphere. Blessed shall be the fruit of your womb. Talking about kids. Verse 5, blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Well, the food you need, the means of producing it. Domestic sphere. Blessing in the economic sphere. Verse 4, look there. Blessed shall be the fruit of your ground, the fruit of your cattle, the increase of your herds, the young of your flock. Verse 8, the Lord will command the blessing on you in your barns and in all that you undertake. It, it even means in the dog-eat-dog -dog world at the time of international relations, blessing. Verse 7, the Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before you. But you know, I'm willing to bet some of you have heard sermons, or watched them online, where the pastor just goes on and on about the greatness of God's blessing, and people get all riled up, and the band comes up, and 
I am blessed. I'm not the tail. I'm ahead. I am blessed. And then a little part of you, as you're walking away, says, how do I square all the physical, tangible blessings God gave Israel, God promised Israel, with my present day experience? What was going on when my wife had a miscarriage? Does that mean God's lying here? Or that his his favor doesn't rest upon me? Do, Do financial difficulties mean God stopped keeping his promises? Or that you just need to obey more? You just need to trust me. How how do we reconcile the promise of blessing in all places, all times, every dimension of life with John 16, 33? In this world, you will have tribulation. With the apostles' warning in 1 Peter 4, 12, Beloved, do not be surprised. At the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you? What do you do with that? Friend, here's here's where we have to remember. You have to remember. You really have to remember several things, true things, biblical things. If our expectations of God's blessing today are going to be biblical, Follow me. First, remember, God hasn't changed. Remember, God hasn't changed, okay? His faithfulness to bless, his eagerness to bless, his, the all places, all times, every dimension of life, character of his blessing hasn't changed because God hasn't changed. Remember that. Take comfort in that. Second, remember the nature of God's kingdom has changed from what it was here. What do I mean by that? His kingdom has changed. Well, thanks be to Jesus, the people of God are no longer a physical nation state or or part of an earthly kingdom, complete with cities and fields and international relations issues. (laughs) We, We are what? A visible people, hence membership today. That's really important. But we're a spiritual people. Visible people, but a spiritual people. We're we're part of a a spiritual kingdom defined by spiritual blessings. And, And when the nature of God's people and the nature of God's kingdom changes, so too did the defining marks of his favor. Today, the defining mark of God's favor on a man or woman. I'll say that again. Today, the defining mark of God's favor on a man or woman is not the size of your barns. It's not the size of your family or the the number of surrounding nations you've conquered. The defining mark of God's favor is being chosen, predestined, loved, adopted, redeemed, forgiven, sealed, and granted a glorious inheritance in Jesus Christ. 
Ephesians 1 verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because he gave me a car that said blessed on the back. No. Who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual. You catch that? Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Friend, if that's your story, know this. God has been exceedingly good to you. You have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. You didn't draw the short end of the stick. God has been exceedingly good to you. In all those ways. Go read Ephesians. But, but maybe, even as I say this, I can feel this in my own soul. Maybe part of you still feels like you got the short end of the stick. No disrespect to all the spiritual amazingness stuff, Pastor. But what really bothers me is the fact that even though I'm the one playing by the rules, I'm the one that got cancer. Even though I'm the one, I'm following Jesus. Why does my neighbor still have the big boat and the trophy wife? Can't, can't you just toss a little prosperity my way? In case you didn't notice, I... I have been making sacrifices to follow you. I'm keeping my end of this bargain. What about you, God? What about me? Psalm 73, verse 2. As for me... My feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. Oh, we know what this feels like, don't we? For I was envious of the arrogant. When I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Friend, if that's, if that's you, listen very carefully to me right now. God wants to speak to you. The primary blessings God has promised to pour out on you in this life are spiritual. They are found and listed in glorious technicolor detail in Ephesians 1. That does not mean God is disinterested or unconcerned or the phone lines are not open to prayer for receiving material blessings at the same time in this life. I did not say that, and God's word never says that. Rather, the whole earth is at his disposal, right? We, we, let's, let's say it positively. We please the Lord when we cry out to him asking for financial provision. Or we pray for physical healing. He delights to give good gifts to his kids. But we have to remember the, the spiritual blessings we already have in this life, and they are glorious and exceedingly good, and Jesus, are, are a down payment on something. They're just a foretaste of something, a, a greater than you can imagine, spiritual and physical material blessing in the life to come. 
Yes, the blessing in verse 1, look there, chapter 28. The Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. What does that point forward to? No question, it points forward to Israel's prosperity, the height of the monarchy under King David and King Solomon. It points that way, but it points to something else. It ultimately points to something else. To the coming age when Christ returns and his blood-bought people reign with him in glory. A day when suffering and sorrow will be no more. And frankly, he won't care about the big boat so much. Because you'll see him. And in that moment, you will realize my discontent, friend, that in this day, you already had in Jesus all you ever needed. All you would ever want if you could see clearly and know truly and feel rightly and live humbly. You'll know that one day by sight. And until that day, you need to remember this. God's blessing in your life is both already and not yet. Remember that. Why do you need to remember that? It's already and it's not yet. Why? Why remember that? So that you don't become disillusioned when God refuses to live up to the expectations of human wisdom and human demands in the already. Instead, trust God's word. Wait patiently as the Savior works all things together according to the counsel of his will and until the day he makes all things new. Because here, here's what the promise, Deuteronomy 28, 13, the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. Here's what that promise looks like in action until Jesus returns. You ready for this? What, what does it look like today in real life, practical action for me to be the head and not the tail? Or is that just, you know, somehow in the future and maybe one day I'll figure out the head thing. What? It's an already, not just the not yet. So what's the already look like? 2 Corinthians 4 verse 8. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus So that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. That's what being the head, not the tail, sounds like. Looks like. God's blessing is comprehensive. Two brief points. Third, God's blessing is personal. It's personal. Moses repeatedly, repeatedly emphasizes that the blessing for remaining faithful to the Lord isn't a karma thing. It's not a put good into the universe, get good out of the universe. It's also not a, you know, do good and the universe will favor you. No, the blessing of God is distinctly personal. He's the agent. He's the one who brings it to pass. He he doesn't just ensure blessing comes to pass in the lives of his own. He personally and actively 
brings it to pass. Look at verse 1. He's the subject. The Lord, your God, will set you high above all the nations of the earth. Verse 7, still the subject. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before you. Verse 8, still the subject. The Lord will command the blessing on you and he will bless you. Verse 11, the Lord will make. Verse 12, the Lord will open to you. Verse 13, the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. I mean, it's just, okay, we get it, Moses. (laughs) We get it. The blessings he lavishes on us come directly from his hand. But here's what that means. Think about this. That means goodness and mercy are not just following you. Goodness and mercy are following you because God himself is following you. Do you see that? God himself is blessing you. God himself is doing good to you. Why? Because God himself delights in you, Christian. And is gracious toward you and overflows in, in blessing toward you because he loves you. It's, it's personal. It couldn't be more personal. It's, it's not, you know, hey, uh, angel in quadrant four, could we send some extra goodness and blessing to Joe over there? Because it's been a rough week. No. God himself is following. I learned this week, back to Christmas. I learned this week that there's something called a Gift concierge service. Do you know what this is? A gift concierge service? Pretty cool, Mercy. Because here's what it is. For people that have an obscene amount of money because there's no prices on the website, that's always a tip-off, right? Like, if there's no prices on the website, you have to be filthy rich to enlist the service. But the, the basic idea is you hand them a pile of cash, and they take care of the whole Christmas project. All the shopping, all the finding, all the research, all the gift giving. They just do it and put your name on it. Um, brothers, if you are married in this room and listening to me, don't you dare ever <laughs> to try that. <laughs> just give her some cash. What's the point? That's not how God blesses us. He doesn't delegate it. He doesn't hire it out. Personally, faithfully, hands-on, intimately aware of the details in your life, he's bringing his blessings to pass. Friend, is that your happy expectation? When you wake up tomorrow, is that your happy expectation? Or or do you look at your own abilities, look at the way other people are treating you, and, and despair? I mean, sometimes we think like this. Well, I would be receiving all these amazing blessings, Pastor. I know God wants to give me, but, but I married Joe instead of marrying Sam. And looking back to when I was in college, I should have married Sam. And now I'm stuck in path of life level C-. minus. If Joe would just stop getting in God's way and manage our finances a little better, I would be more confident in God's blessing. Or if Joe would just start discipling our kids the way the Bible tells them to, I would be more confident in God's blessing. But he's not, Matthew. You want me to prove that? He's not. I mean, I I know in the mystery of God's will, some of you picked Joe to deliver these blessings. Maybe one day he will, but he hasn't yet. I guess until that day, I'll just keep dragging Joe to church. Friend, 
does God use means to bring his blessings to pass? Including people? Yes. A godly husband is a precious gift from the Lord. But friend, do not confuse the gift with the giver or the means with the cause. What do I mean? I mean there isn't a Joe or a Sam for that matter who can stop Almighty God from being exceedingly good to you. Psalm 8412 that Quinn read earlier does not say, O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who married Sam. What's it say? O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Who trusts in you. Will you trust in him? Will you trust in him? Or will you freak out about all the human people that are not delivering what they're supposed to deliver and end your days in bitterness? Know this, friend. God's blessing is personal, not just because God gives the blessing, but because he is the ultimate blessing. All the blessings in this whole chapter, no less than God's blessings in Christ for us today, they, they all go down in the context of covenant relationship with him. Look at verse 8. I'm not making this up. And he will bless you where? In the land. It's an in the land kind of blessing that the Lord your God is giving you. It's not in a random place. It's in God's place. It's the place where God dwells. Verse 9 goes even further. Look there. If you walk in his ways, the Lord will establish you as a people holy to himself. What does that mean? It means he will bless you by setting you apart for his priorities and purposes. He'll he'll draw you into relationship. He'll, He'll grant you the great gift of his presence. And he'll never let you go. That personal. It's no accident that that Moses uses God's covenant name, Yahweh, that's the Lord in all caps in most of your Bibles, 14 times in 14 verses. What does that just shout? What's it shout? The chief blessing of all is the gift of relationship with him, Israel. And it's only in the context of relationship with him that all the other lesser gifts can even come to pass. Brothers and sisters, may we love the Lord Ultimately, not for just what he gives, but for who he is. Because in Jesus, he's given us himself. It's personal. Lastly, we'll end with this. God's blessing is missional. It's missional. It does not exist to make much of you. (laughs) Newsflash. (laughs) You realize this? You, you realize God, the reason God exists is not to make your life comfortable or convenient or easy? Do you believe that? It's not why he exists. We exist to make much of him. His supreme aim, what, what is ultimately best, most blessed for you and me, is for God to bless his holy name. And so we, we have to banish this thought, okay? We're in... It's good to banish things sometimes. Let's banish something this morning. Banish the notion that somehow God's chief obligation 
is to give you everything you want. Friend, because of the corrupting effect of sin on our minds, our hearts, our wills, that would be the most unloving thing for God to do to you. Give you, me, whatever we want? Banish the thought. But here's the amazing thing. God glorifies his name. He he displays the fullness of his, his surpassing greatness by pouring out blessing on sinners like you and me. Look at verse 10. And all the peoples of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord. What's the final result of God's blessing showering down on you, Christian, in Christ Jesus? It's not so that everywhere you go, people will be like, wow, what an amazing woman. (laughs) You're you're, you're just a paradigm. You, You know, what a guy. No. You receive blessing from God. The goal of that blessing, the aim of that blessing, the eternal and sole purpose of that blessing is so that when the world around you sees that blessing like a perfect mirror, their eyes would immediately go up to the one from whom all that blessing flows. May God be gracious to us, Psalm 67 says. And bless us, make his face to shine upon us that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all the nations. Friend, if you, somebody in your life makes a comment to you about a way they just, oh, what kids, what a job, what a guy, what, you get a compliment, (laughs) that is a moment for you to receive that and immediately launch that back up to the Lord. And don't wait, don't be like, thanks, all glory to you, God. Tell them that. I would not be that kind of man if it were not for his mercy. I, I wouldn't have children like this apart from his favor. I mean, I got a friend over here. They're a far better parent and their kids are doing even better. It's, it's not like one-to-one, the parent makes the kid. It's all of grace. Carefully steward your compliments. They're worship moments. God's blessing is conditional, it's comprehensive, it's personal, and it's missional.